declare the public hearing open. Open to those in favor of the petition. Is there any with, anyone with us online tonight that is in favor of the petition? Okay, uh, Mr. Shakes, can we please have your name and address for the record? Okay, Eric Shakes, um, the home address? That's fine. Uh, that's fine. 80 Bradbury Ave, Medford, Mass. Okay. That, and you are in favor of the petition? Yes, sir. Okay, thank you. Is there anyone else that would like to speak in favor of the petition? Okay. <coughs> hearing and seeing none, I declare this portion of the hearing closed. Anyone in opposition of the petition? Anyone in opposition? Okay. Hearing and seeing none, I declare this portion of the hearing closed. Uh, at this point in time, I call upon the Chairperson of Licensing, Councilor Scarpella. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. Hi, Mr. Shakes. Good evening. Thanks for being here this evening. Um, we see everything that is asked uh, for you is in place. Um, all the documents are in place. Everybody looks to have approved it moving forward. Could you just give us a brief synopsis of what, what was there prior or and um, what you're doing at the site now? So I'm, I can't confirm what was here prior, but I'm pretty sure that it was the same type of business, right. automotive and, and body shop. Right. And um, that's what we're doing now too, uh, automotive and body. Okay. All right, now hours of operations, uh, following the city guidelines, everything looks like it's in place. Um, I know before I uh, make the motion to approve, if any councils have any questions. Are there any councilors that have questions regarding this matter? Mr. President. Councilor Marks. Yes, if the petitioner can just state how much off-street parking that they have. Eight. Eight spots off-street? Eight spots in the um, parking lot. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. President. I move approval. Thank you, Councilor Marks. On the motion of Councilor Marks, seconded by. Second. Councilor Pierce, Councilor Knight. Um, I, too, support the, the, the application, Mr. President. Everything's in order. Here, here. That's what I, I apologize. No, that's everything. I, I, I rest my case. I have nothing to okay. add. Okay, so um, everything's in order. Kelly. Everything's in order, Mr. President. Move approval. Okay, on the motion of Council. Council Marks, seconded by Council Beers. Clerk Renevis, please call the roll. Council Beers. Yes. Vice President Caraviello. Yes. Council Knight. Yes. Council Marks. Yes. Council Morell. Yes. Council Scarpelli. Yes. President Falco. Yes. Seven in the affirmative, zero in the negative. The motion passes. Congratulations and good luck. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good night. You too. Thank you. Okay. Motions, orders, and resolutions 20-647. Offered by Councilor Marks, Councilor Scarpelli, and Vice President Carviello. Be resolved that the City Council requests the presence of Chief Buckley, uh, Chief Buckley, Chief of the Memphis Police Department, Chief Gilberti, Lieutenant uh, Mark Rudolph, and Officer Harold McGilvery to discuss public safety concerns dealing with our 911 system at our next scheduled meeting. Councilor Marks. Uh, Mr. President, I'll just defer to Councilor Scarpelli. Okay, Councilor Scarpelli. Uh, thank you so much, Mr. President. Councilor Scarpelli. Oh, just okay, thank you. Yep. Is it on? Uh, thank you, Mr. President. Um, could you, could you, I'm not familiar in who's present, is, are the chiefs present, uh, Mr. Uh, Officer McGilvery? Mm, I 
see bo both chiefs. I see uh, Harold McGillivray is with us, and uh, Lieutenant Mark Rudolph is with us as well. And both chiefs, yes. Okay, so I just so this was important because I think that um, out of nowhere we received um, uh, a letter from the mayor stating that we need to move forward with uh, some concerns dealing with the 911 system, and that I believe it was. Um, a public health crisis, a safety crisis uh, that we needed to uh, we needed to address. It was something that um, you know put a green put a red flag out to alert us, and that this is the first time the council heard heard that. And I thought it was important that both the leaders of the police and fire uh, come in and just answer, just fill us in if, if there's there's things we should know that um, that are this dire that if something's been going on. And we need to adjust as a council and move some initiatives through to make sure that uh, we're supporting them in any way. So, um, if anybody could, uh, you know, share some comments or any insight into this. Uh, would the other councils like to speak first? Or would you like to hear from? Uh, well, I, that's my that's my just my question. So, Mr. President, Councilor Marks. If I could, thank you, Mr. President. I appreciate uh, the fact that both chiefs are on tonight as well as uh, the union uh, representative. Um, I believe both on the police and fire side uh, are both with us tonight uh, as well, Mr. President. Um, I, as Councilor Scott Pelley mentioned, uh, the concern I have and the reason why I added my name to this resolution was the fact that we did receive a correspondence from uh, Mayor Lungo Kern uh, regarding the urgent need um, and the emergency of uh, <coughs> putting this particular position forward. And uh, when I saw that email, Mr. President, it kind of alarmed me that uh, there was a concern of that urgency within 911. Uh, first that I'm hearing uh, that 911 has existed for uh, the past year and a half. And I would hope that there was proper uh, supervision. I would hope there was proper training uh, policies and procedures set up in that past year and a half. So I'm eager to uh, hear tonight from both chiefs uh, to hopefully dispel uh, the emergency uh, that uh, was uh, stated by the mayor in her email um, and hear from both chiefs, Mr. President, and the union representatives as well. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Marks. Vice President Caviel. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, I echo uh, Councilor Marks' uh, comments there. I'm, I'll wait uh, to hear what the two chiefs have to say Again, I, uh, like, like everyone else, I didn't hear of any grave emergency that was going on there. So again, I'll, uh, I'll uh, hold any further questions until we hear from uh, all the uh, officials that are on the, on the call. Okay, thank you, Vice President Carriello. Let's see, we have a number of people. Uh, we have Mayor Lungo Kern has her hand up, so uh, I'm gonna try to, there you go. Mayor Lungo Kern. Thank you. President Falco, I, I do want to thank both chiefs for being on the call, as well as Lieutenant Rudolph. We have um, President McGilvery from the police um, union. We also have President Buckley from the fire union and Lieutenant Mon from the fire department. And I just want to, I want to give them all the floor, but I just want to let you know that I do stand by the email that was sent. I think it's really important that we get a 911 supervisor in there for number of reasons, some personnel, um, but one of the main personnel reasons for doing so is because we're having a really hard time um, hiring for the 
four empty positions that are in dispatch, which is creating forced overtimes and it's creating almost an emergency situation just to get personnel in there anyway. We have a number of good candidates that we've offered the job to, but they've turned it down due to um, the pay. We also feel that now more than ever, after hearing the concerns, especially from the, the fire union, that it is an emergency to get a supervisor in that role for any additional training, someone that can work with both police and fire to make sure that the, for, yeah, the first first responders, and we want to make sure we have a supervisor in there. Um, and we cannot wait for this until next budget cycle. This is something that I just wanted to let you know I stand by as being an emergency. We have um, been working to consult with Mr. Ron Richard, who is an expert in the dispatch field, and he is just recently started. He is going to be working with us for the next couple months, and I think it's imperative that we do get a supervisor in there to work with both unions, both chiefs, Lieutenant Rudolph, who runs the department, and get a supervisor in there ready to go um, while Mr. Richard makes recommendations for how to fix all the problems that is if there are any um, that will be explained to you tonight in 911 dispatch. Thank you. Mr. President, if I could. Thank you, Mayor Longo Kurt. Council Marks. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. I appreciate uh, the mayor uh, being on the call tonight. So the, the question I have uh, to the mayor, uh, Mr. President, is the fact that um, I can appreciate, and it's the mayor's opinion, that this is uh, a uh, critical need uh, for the operation of public safety in the community. And she has every right to state that if she believes that. Uh, my question is that uh, since January of this year, uh, the fire department has reached out on several occasions uh, to not only the city administration, but to uh, both chiefs, uh, Chief Gilberti and Chief Buckley, regarding their concerns with 911 and some of the concerns that they had uh, that they raised back in January of this year. So I'm just wondering uh, when the mayor uh, figured out that this was a public safety emergency um, and why did it take uh, almost 11 months to do so? I thank you, Council Marks. Uh, in January, February, it was brought to my attention. There was some issues with the training manuals. So at that point, I think Chief Gilberti and I did meet sometime in, I mean, it could have been March, April, May, depending on the surge in coronavirus cases, which set us back a bit. But the, the manual was brought, brought to me, and at that time I did um, let my chief of staff know that I've reviewed the, the manual. It, it's in-depth, but the fire union still, you know, had concerns. So as of recent, over the last two months, we've had two very in-depth meetings to review what the problems are and how do we fix these problems and we've be able, been able to work on a plan collaboratively, um, one that I feel the police and the fire is happy with, but part of that plan, which I feel is an emergency, is to get a supervisor on board as soon as possible. Right, so, so Mr. President, if I could follow up, and I, I appreciate that statement, but it, it still doesn't answer what happened from January to the past, even if we say two months that they've been working on this, what happened to the seven months in between that, Mr. President? And uh, I'm looking at a correspondence from uh, Union President Eddie Buckley from January 21st of this year, raising concern, Mr. President, and that email was sent to 
uh, Fire Chief Gilberti, Police Chief Buckley, Chief of Staff Dave Rodriguez, and Union Rep Harold McGilvery. And if you could, Mr. President, I'd like to just read it briefly. It says, good morning, gentlemen. I would like to formally request a meeting with all interested parties to discuss the future of dispatching. There are too many rumors and scuttlebutt going around, and we as a union would like to meet face-to-face -to, -face to communicate our concerns with and get a, get a grasp on the future of fire dispatch. Please let me know at your convenience when we would be able to be a good time to sit down and talk. Thank you for your attention to this matter. Eddie Buckley, Union President 1032. Um, the same day, Mr. President, uh, Union Rep uh, Harold McGilvery reached out and gave his availability, Mr. President. But the part that I'm troubled by is Chief <coughs> Fire Chief Gilberti never responded to the request by the Union. The Mayor's Chief of Staff, Dave Rodriguez, never responded to their request. And Chief Buckley responded saying, thank you for your concerns. At this time, I will decline. So I'm trying to figure out, Mr. President, if this was an issue that's been brought up, uh, and it, this actually dates back, actually even prior to January, when a letter was sent out in June 2004, uh, 2019 to the former mayor, Burke, asking uh, for a meeting, which was never responded to. So this has been a year and a half, and now uh, 10 or 11 months under this administration, going on 12 months, and I'm just concerned, Mr. President, with the lack of attention for the last, from January to just say September, October, where nothing was done, and now all of a sudden meetings are being held and we're being told it's an emergency, Mr. President, but from what I'm being told, there was concerns all along, Mr. President, from day one when this uh, 911 center opened. From day one, there was a lack of a manual, a lack of policies or procedures, and uh, there has been very little uh, put into trying to get to the bottom of what's happening. And I think everyone behind this room, I won't speak for them, no one's opposed to the position, Mr. President. We had some legitimate questions regarding the position, and I'm hoping to hear tonight what's being worked on, but I have other questions, and I'll wait to hear uh, as soon as the chief, uh, both chiefs respond, and hopefully the union representatives. Thank you, Councilor Marks. Would either of the chiefs uh, like to respond at this point? Council Marks, you want to hear from the chiefs next, or? If, if they'd like to respond, Mr. Okay. President. Chief Buckley. Good evening, Councilors. How are you? Good, thank you. Um, let, me, let me start by, by uh, responding to the, the uh, initial premise of, uh, of um, the meeting and the request, and that was the mayor's letter, and it clearly said that uh, we have a, an emergency in filling a staff position, and that is a public safety uh, supervisor position. And uh, that is, uh, you know, we're, we're able to talk about that. I can talk about that in depth. But it appears to me that uh, that's not really the intent of this council, that they are doing some other bidding here and talking about subject Point matter. of information, Mr. President. Point of information, Council Marks. Uh, probably. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, I, I just want to make sure we're all on the same page uh, here, Mr. President. Um, when exactly, because uh, we're hearing that they need a coordinator or supervisor for 911. 
This has been set up for a year and a half, Mr. President. When exactly did the administration and both chiefs figure out that this is now so urgent that it's an emergency now, where it hasn't had supervision uh, for the last uh, 15 months, Mr. President? That's what I'd like to know. That's blatantly false, and we, cannot, we have to stop with the rhetoric, Mr. President. What? They've been under supervision of the police department since day one. We've conducted proper training, Right? We can't have a public hearing when counselors are, are using rhetoric that is causing public alarm. There is no public health Poor emergency. Point of there is no public safety emergency. Yeah. And we can't keep saying this stuff out loud and in, on, on your Chief soapbox. Buckley, to, to point of information. Chief Buckley, point of information. Point of information. Contest, contest. I'll be honest with you. get a little tired that we have a chief that comes out here accusing us of doing something that we are not. You're, you're, you're making accusations that I would never do to you, sir. What I'm telling you is, we haven't heard anything about this, and we get a letter from the mayor saying that there's a crisis at 911. And that is the only attempt why this councilor is asking for this meeting for the leaders of both the fire and, and police to answer these questions, period. So don't leave the community on like I'm trying to put any fear mongering in anybody. The intent of this The intent of the meeting is to find out there. if there is a crisis. That's the intent of this meeting. There is That's no it. crisis. There's well, not a crisis. Well, We've Chief, we wouldn't know, Chief. We wouldn't know because the only thing we heard was a, 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 a letter from the mayor saying there was a crisis in 911. That's why we're here. Nothing else. That's the second time that, that you've come out here and done this. No one's trying to leave anybody on a negative way. We've done nothing but support the police and fire. Council Scarpelli. Thank you, Mr. If, if we're talking about the same letter that the mayor sent, the letter says, I feel strongly that filling this position is an emergency. Filling a position is an emergency. Not a public health crisis or, or some public safety issue. We, you have to put this all in context, and I really want Lieutenant Rudolph to talk about this because he's handling this. We have the need to fill 13 in one part-time position for public safety dispatches. We currently have 10 dispatches. That's 14 shifts per week that we cannot fill for dispatching. Currently, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts will not train dispatches for us. They have been shut down since the beginning of the spring due to COVID. The only way we can get dispatches and hire them is if we get already current certified trained dispatches. And we have been unsuccessful in doing that. We have been trying since the beginning of this to fill these shifts. What the state has told us is that if we can get a supervisor who has our, excuse me, they didn't use this term supervisor, a dispatcher who has certain um, training and certifications, we can conduct our own training in-house and train virtually through the state and in-house through the city of Medford to hire our own dispatches to fill these vacancies. The strain that 14 open positions is creating on our civilian dispatches is at critical point. The strain it creates on budgets is at a critical point. And that's what this letter is about. But it has uh, this letter uh, from the mayor. In that situation, we can talk all day long, and I'll let Lieutenant Rudolph discuss it. But it went way off target with what Councilor Box is talking about. We have been addressing this dispatch since its inception. The fire chief and I have met numerous times. Point of information, Mr. President. 
Could you put Chief Buckley one minute? Point of information, Councilor Marks. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. It's great that uh, both chiefs are meeting, but they fail to include the membership, Mr. President. And that's a problem when you have the union, uh, at least on the fireside, that has reached out on several occasions, Mr. President. <clears throat> June 14, 2019. July 27, 2020, October 26, 2020, raising questions, Mr. President, requesting a meeting to discuss ongoing issues and concerns with method fire alarm, in particular with delays in dispatching and calls uh, for lack of supervision. This is from the method fire union 10th local 1032 mr president they also raised concerns on july 27th union raises concerns on manpower assignments on multiple alarm fires dispatch policy regarding the subject was changed without input from the fire department that's not coming from this council mr president so if the chief is working out of a vacuum which seems to be how he operates mr president and not hearing what's happening in the community or at least in the 911 center then shame on him don't point the finger at this council because we're raising concerns that we're hearing from membership of the police and fire mr president thank you councilor marks Chief Buckley. We have been meeting since the inception of this dispatch program, civilian dispatch program. And the chief and I have been dealing with all of the issues as it relates to training. And we have been putting together a new program and it has been successful from where we were. That does not mean we have not had hiccups. That does not mean that there haven't been training issues. Just think about what we're doing. We're, we went from decades of police officers dispatching police calls and decades of firefighters dispatching fire calls to combining one unit and uh, one civilian dispatch situation where they have to do both. I don't know fire dispatching and the fire department doesn't know police dispatching. Combined, we put together a program that has been successful. They have been operating on the police side uh, independently since October and operating on the fire side independently since around February. Uh, and again, when I say successful, that doesn't mean there isn't hiccups. To, to Councilor Box's point, in the beginning of this program, we were putting um, uh, training uh, modules in place. We were having uh, difficulties with some training. Those are administrative uh, issues. Every issue that the fire union brought forth to Chief Gilliberti, Chief Gilliberti and I discussed. But there's no need to have meetings with the fire, on my side, I'm a police chief. I don't need to meet with the fire union. We were dealing with issues and we continue to deal with issues as they arise. Point of information, Mr. President? Point of information, Councilor Marks. Mr. President, it's my understanding that the police oversees the 911 center. Is that not correct? Chief that Patrick. is correct. So, so why would the chief of police who oversees the entire picture not want to sit down with the fire side who does not have uh, someone that's up there supervising and listen to their concerns? Well, Council, I, I think that's where, where, where you're sort of missing the point. I was well, I'm not missing any point, chief. I was meeting with the fire chief, the deputy chief, the in, in discussing their training. and the, uh, We were meeting with the fire all along. There's no need at that time and at that point to meet with the fire union on this. I meet with their staff.
To say that we weren't meeting and talking and the fire department and the police department were not working to resolve the issues is just not true. Mr. President, what, Mr. President, point of information. Point of information, Council Marks. With, with all due respect, Mr. President, I'll let uh, the union reps that are on the phone now uh, you know, dictate whatever their narrative is, Mr. President, because clearly that's not their feedback that I received, Mr. President. So I guess there's uh, two different realities going on in this community. And, uh, you know, so I'd like to hear from the union representatives as well, Mr. President. Okay. Thank you, Councilor Marks. Do you want to hear from them right now or do you want to leave? Uh, at some point, Mr. President, like maybe for the chief to finish uh, his uh, presentation, uh, but uh, I'd like to hear from them too, Mr. Okay. President. Chief Buckley, if you want to continue, if you... Yeah, well, just to wrap it up, there, there is an overwhelming need to fill this supervisory dispatcher position. It, 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 we can't train new dispatchers because the state has prohibited us from doing so unless we have certain qualified uh, personnel in that unit. So we need to do this and COVID is not going to go away anytime soon and we are not going to be able to train in the normal fashion by sending them off to the state. So we have to take care of this problem in-house. Currently we have a strain on the system of personnel and on uh, the budgets for these positions and we have to go and fill these positions. We have to get uh, uh, increase our training on dispatches for the yearly uh, so-called in-service training for dispatches. In order to do that, we need these certified, uh, this certified personnel to come in here and handle that. So that on its basic is the need, the overwhelming, and it is a crisis mode to hire a dispatcher uh, of super, who has certain supervisory and uh, uh, certifications in-house to do this. We need to do this and we need to do it soon. That's the point. Now, I, I'm comfortable with you talking to both unions, and, and I'd love to hear their positions on this, because I think for the most part, they're gonna tell you similar uh, concerns, but maybe not. Maybe the fire union will surprise them. Yeah, they will. Thank you, Chief Buckley. Uh, Chief Gilberti, did you wanna speak uh, before I recognize the union representatives? Yes, thank you, uh, Mr. President. Uh, Mayor Longo Kern and uh, city councilors. As far as the supervisor's position uh, goes, my union has been asking for a supervisor uh, in the dispatch center from the beginning. And I had asked the previous administration on at least two occasions uh, if we could get a supervisor into the dispatch center, but that didn't uh, materialize. And I wanna thank Mayor Lungo Kern for uh, stepping up and, and hearing our cries for a supervisor and uh, taking the necessary steps for us to uh, move forward with that. Um, I, I meet with my union on these issues. Uh, we talk about it. They bring me issues. Chief Buckley wanted to uh, hear uh, their concerns, but he wanted to hear them through me. And I asked my union, and anyone in the department, if they have any concerns, to send me a communication, and I will address them with Chief Buckley. And I've done that on a number of occasions. Have we had our hiccups? Yes, we have. Uh, but we try to deal with them uh, as they come up. Uh, I believe uh, Chief Buckley had a, a discussion last night with the, the union, the um, uh, dispatch union, and uh, I'm hoping, and I believe that we are on the right track and as soon as we can get the supervisor in there, 
um, things will be uh, a little different. They'll have some oversight, they'll have retraining, uh, they'll have a uh, one encompassing manual. Um, so uh, that's my statement for right now. Thank you, Chief Gilberti. Okay, at this point, I recognize, uh, go to, uh, do you prefer police or fire? Does it matter? Okay, we'll go with that. Uh, let's see, let's go with Eddie Buckley from the uh, local 1032 Memphis Fire Department. I'm going to mute you, Eddie Buckley. Uh, hello. Uh, sorry I'm at work. Uh, can anyone hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Thank you for joining okay. us tonight. Uh, so, what questions do you have? Uh, I'm glad to answer anything, sir. Council Mox, do you have any specific questions that you'd like to ask uh, Mr. Buckley? Uh, I, I guess uh, my question would be, Mr. Uh, to uh, Mr. Buckley, is what have been the concerns uh, for the past year and a half that have been raised by the fire department regarding their concerns with 911 in the community beginning with the the lack of a training manual there was no training manual it was um pretty much a couple papers put together at the last second um so our members didn't have the correct training to, in order to train the new members of, of the civilian dispatch um we raised our concerns early about that uh there, there still is no training manual. Um, and then when the civilians started taking over in around February, we, we were noticing a lot of errors and we were trying to, to address it and see how we could fix it. We weren't, we did ask in the beginning for a uh, fire department supervisor over there, as well as did the dispatchers themselves. They, they were asking for, they needed a fire uh, department supervisor. Um, we don't, would we love a fire department supervisor? Absolutely. But if the mayor is going to hire somebody to do that job, that's fine. As long as the job is being done and we're being dispatched to the, all the calls in a timely fashion, we don't have a problem with who's doing the supervising. In our opinion, yeah, it should be someone on the fire side as the police have on the police side. But I understand that the police are in charge of it. But we, we need to we need to have a way of uh, fixing any errors that take place in dispatch in a timely fashion, not not sending communications and talking about a week or two later. It, these are emergency situations that need to be addressed immediately. Those are those are our concerns. From what I know, Chief Buckley and uh, Chief Gilberti met. They're addressing the situation. They're addressing our concerns that we have. Yes, it is 11 months later, but they did meet and, and allegedly they're addressing those issues. So we'd like to see that go forward and uh, hopefully there's no issues going forward. Mr. President, if I could. Please continue, Council Marks. Uh, so based on the uh, October 26th letter that was written by uh, Local 1032, uh, regarding uh, concerns of uh, method fire and in particular delays in dispatching calls and lack of supervision. Um, I was wondering if you can address that particular letter that was sent to the city administration. Yeah, we, we, I sent that letter in October. We had a meeting in November. I addressed our issues. Um, this union doesn't feel that we really got listened to. As 
the chiefs met last night, which is, you know, over a month since we had the meeting to discuss it. But those were our concerns from day one, uh, delays in dispatching and, and not getting sent the calls that we should be. Uh, Mr. President, also maybe if you can address the July 27th letter, which discusses manpower on assignments on multiple armed fires and uh, the dispatch policy that was created without any input from the fire department. Has that been rectified? Yes, uh, Chief Gilberti spoke with the um, police department, I believe Chief Buckley, I don't know if he spoke with Lieutenant Rudolph or if he was in charge at that point, but he readdressed the, we have a, um, a, a dispatch paper for second alarm fires and he reiterated that everyone is to be, I gotta go to a call, sorry, I'm at work right now. All right, thank you. Be safe. Okay, so uh, we don't have uh, a. So Mr. Buckley's not with us. He had a, he had a call, so he's. Uh, so we'll hear from uh, Harold McGilvery. I'd like to hear from Harold, uh, Mr. President, yes. Mr. McGilvery, but but also, Mr. President, uh, you know, I guess uh, what it takes to get things done in this community is a resolution by this Method City Council uh, to get people to act on certain items. And I'm glad to see both chiefs uh, met last night. Uh, Mr. President, after many emails going out regarding concerns of uh, public safety and a lack of supervision and delays in dispatching over the past 11 months, and now they're being addressed, Mr. President. So, uh, if anything, uh, you know, I, I am happy that I put my name on this, Mr. President, to make sure on behalf of the uh, 58,000 residents of this community that 911. Uh, indeed protects the residents of this community, Mr. President. Uh, thank you very much. We actually, uh, before I move forward, um, we get a message. Uh, I think uh, Mr. Buckley is actually still with us. So let's recognize uh, Eddie Buckley. Sorry, that was a uh, call for another station. I apologize. No worries. Thank you. Do you have any further questions for Mr. Buckley, Council Marks? Uh, I, I just made my statement, Mr. President. Okay, thank you. Uh, thank you, Mr. Buckley. Uh, Mr. Buckley, do you have any further comments? Uh, no, sir. I, like I said, I'm just I'm happy that the the mayor is hiring a supervisor, and and I'm hoping that the chiefs have resolved the issues that this union has. We appreciate it. Okay, thank, thank you. you. Okay, I see the uh, the chiefs have their hands up, so. Go to uh, Chief Gilberti, and then we'll go to Chief Buckley. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, these issues had have come up that ha had uh, been brought to my attention, and as soon as they're brought to my attention, I would sit down with Chief Buckley and Lieutenant Rudolph, and we would discuss the uh, 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 the issues that the union had and that I had. And I want to say that they've both been very receptive uh, in dealing with uh, the issues. I don't want you to think that uh, we met last night for the first time to uh, try and, uh, uh, you know, uh, address everybody's concerns. We have been meeting right along. And uh, as I said, Chief Buckley and Lieutenant Rudolph have been very receptive. Um, and uh, last night's meeting was very, very... Uh, uh, reassuring uh, as I said Chief Buckley spoke with the the dispatch union last night and uh, we had spoke this morning um, 
and going forward, uh, I think that things will be, uh, uh, will be, uh, uh, everybody will be satisfied with the way we move forward. Thank you, Chief Gilberti. Mr. President? Katsalax. Mr. President, uh, since we uh, uh, trained and lost a number of uh, dispatchers, uh, I was wondering if there was any exit interviews given, and if so, uh, what were the sentiments of uh, the candidates that were trained and given a job here in the city of Method, and then after a short period of time decided to leave, Mr. President? Let's see, uh, we get Lieutenant Rudolph has his hand up. Let's see. Uh there you go. Lieutenant Rudolph. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. This is Lieutenant Mark Rudolph. Can everyone hear me? Yes. Okay. Well, first of all, I'd like to thank, uh, thank all of you for asking me to uh, come before the council tonight via Zoom. And I do want to um, answer a couple of quick questions for you. Um, most recently, the three individuals that had left us all left for a very similar reason. They all lived within five to 15 minutes of the location that they uh, got jobs at. So. That was on the um, up in the uh, north side of Route 93 and 495. Each one of them lived only a very short time away from the location they went to, which was uh, Tewksbury Regional. So uh, having said that, we lost three very, very good dispatchers who were also excellent trainers. Uh, they had experience um, doing the training. One of them had previous experience with another agency anyway and was a, a good training officer there as well. So that was a big hit on our ability to continue a solid in-service training. Um, beyond that, that was the only reason that all three of them chose to leave was simply because they were matched with salary by that location as to what they were making in Medford because they wanted to lure them away. They went because they simply moved to where they lived. So having that as a major concern for most people the commute, which uh, typically for two of them was up to 45 minutes every morning, and now it's five to 11 minutes. Uh, and the third moved to just southern New Hampshire, so it was very similar for the three of them. Those were the only things they gave to me as reasons for going. They loved the job. They enjoyed working in Medford. They found it to be extremely challenging, even the person that came to us from Tewksbury originally. And um, had they not been, you know, wooed away basically by another agency for that was similar to where they lived, we probably would still have those three and we wouldn't be going through the crisis situation that we are right now. Thank you, Lieutenant Rudolph. Oh, you're welcome. Okay. Any questions for Lieutenant Rudolph while we have him? Okay. Uh, Chief Buckley, I believe you had your hand up. Uh, and okay, Chief Buckley. Yeah, I, I just want to add... Uh, uh, briefly to uh, Chief Gilberti's uh, comments that, you know, we have been meeting all along with this, uh, on this, these, the dispatcher situation, and it wasn't uh, just last night that we met and resolved these matters. We've been meeting all along, taking all these into considerations, and uh, it, you just have to accept that that's been going along. We, have, we haven't been ignoring these, these situations. Uh, and to add uh, secondarily to uh, the, the um, reasons that the uh, three dispatchers left. Uh, the the um, uh, up in Tewksbury uh, area, they have a regional dispatch center that the state funded and they needed bodies to fill that, that dispatch center and they were in a similar position as us. They could not hire dispatchers because the state wasn't capable of training new dispatchers. So they went out and basically you know, uh, like headhunted 
uh, active dispatchers left and right. We actually paid more for dispatchers down here, and they actually raised their prices up there to attract dispatchers to their center so they could open, and they had state funding to do it. They'd, and um, so that hurt us and probably hurt a couple of other police departments and, and fire dispatchers in the area. So there's a number of reasons associated with why they left. Uh, and uh, but uh, I just what really wanted my point was to add that we have been meeting all along on this issue, dispatching the problems. Thank you. Thank you, Chief Buckley. Vice President Carviello. Thank you, Mr. President. Mr. President, I'm going to make it clear that um, the only agenda of the city council is the safety of the residents of Medford. We have no other. We have no other agenda uh, other than that. Chief, uh, whoever wants to answer, um, is the pay that we uh, that we pay these dispatchers, is it on par with other cities and towns? Are we not paying enough money? Um, I don't know what they get for salary, but what, you know, are, are we on par with other communities? Yeah. Uh, uh, yes, Council, we, we are, we're better than most communities. We, we pay very uh, respectful, uh, and I think that if it wasn't for, um, you know, the shutdown of state 911 training, we, we would have our ranks filled here very easily. Um, what's going on is that, that he, uh, there's a, like, a, a, a demand for qualified trained dispatchers, and uh, so we've had a couple of interviews, and we've brought a number of them in here, but they're looking for top dollar, and, you know, we can't pay one new dispatcher dispatcher differently than the other dispatchers because they're you know they are technically unionized now so we can only offer them what we can offer them it is a healthy but some of the dispatchers that are out there looking for jobs are looking for a higher rate of pay and so um but very clearly we are very competitive in our salary for dispatching it's just the only ones out there right now are, are uh, you know qualified trained dispatchers who are looking for something better thank you thank you chief buckley uh lieutenant rudolph did you want to comment on that as well uh, yes, I just want to uh, echo the same thing that uh, Chief Buckley said. Uh, myself and Chief Gilberti have participated in every single interview of multiple applicants along with Mr. Neil Osborne. Um, we have had um, some unique candidates that came before us, several that really stood out with tremendous levels of experience. And unfortunately, those two individuals, um, one did decide to take the job and then at the last moment, uh, decided that it was still too big a pay cut for him to take it. Uh, the other person said the same thing. It was just much too big a pay cut because they were both working at one was at a state regional center and the other was at a major metropolitan location and uh, that person chose not to take it as well simply because it would have been too big a pay cut. Are we in a decent range? I think right now we, as Chief Buckley said, we are actually in a better position than a lot of departments that don't pay very much around us. So we are very reasonable as far as uh, what we have for salaries. Um, I just want to reemphasize, though, that there is a distinct need for a qualified civilian dispatch supervisor who is not a police officer, who is not a firefighter, because neither one of myself or my, um, uh, my partners on the fire side even have any level of qualified training to actually do the job of a true dispatch supervisor. Right now, the dispatchers are under, they're under the watchful eye of a shift commander on the police side. It's always been that way since the center opened in 1997. That does not mean that person who is watching them has any level of 
knowledge regarding the actual 911 process. We're not qualified to use it at all. We're there to give guidance, and that's it. We can't qualify them. We can't instruct them. We can't teach them anything other than basic common actions. But as far as 911 equipment goes, we're dead in the water as supervisors there. And that's the need for a true civilian dispatcher who has the American Professional Communications Officer Supervised Training Program, who has the APCO Certified Police Training, the APCO Certified Fire Training. They're literally trained as instructors and supervisors. That's the key for us to become truly successful here and have one of the best-run 911 centers locally in a small city the size of ours. Do we have the luxury of being a Boston or some other metropolitan city? Not really. Most of those places all have civilian dispatchers running their operation. They may report to a command officer in the police or the fire department, whoever manages it, but the reality is that dispatch supervisor is a dispatcher at heart. They live it, they breathe it, and they train those around them to do the job that they can do as well. And that's the true reasoning why we need someone who is highly qualified, has a huge skill set to be able to do that type of work. And there isn't a police officer in Medford or a firefighter in Medford that has that level of skill set and capabilities and licensed certifications to be able to perform that job. I just wanted to let the council know that as well, and I thank you for allowing me to speak. Thank you. So do we have candidates in the pipeline that we're interviewing for this job? This is Lieutenant Rudolph again. Chief Gilberti, myself, and Mr. Osborne interviewed a gentleman about a week and a half ago. I will have the results of the background investigation tomorrow, and depending on what the background investigation reveals or confirms, we should be able to move forward with a potential offer. But again, it depends on the full results, and I don't have that report until tomorrow. We were still waiting for a couple of previous employers to supply us with their paperwork on it. So I should be able to answer that question probably within the next 48 to 72 hours. Are we eligible for any state or federal funds to pay for this person, or maybe to sweeten the salary to get? As we're being purged, maybe we may have to purge other departments. As far as police funding goes, we don't have any capability of using 911 state grant money for hiring personnel. It's used for equipment purchases. It's used for upgrade purposes of equipment. It's used for training for our personnel, but it doesn't pay salaries, and you can't use it as part of that. It does pay for overtime to send them to training only. Thank you. And again, please understand that the only agenda of this council is the safety of the citizens of Medford. Thank you. And I agree with you 100%, Counselor, and that's the role that I try to ensure that our dispatchers are doing their very best. But again, keep in mind, I have 39 years of police experience. I'm not a firefighter, I'm not an EMT, and I'm certainly not a dispatcher. But I'm probably, in my position, the single person right now that has the highest level of authority over them, but I can't train them. I can only provide the proper training through the right venues to get them increased certifications and increased training programs. Thank you, Vice President Caviello. Thank you, Lieutenant Rudolph. May I longer turn? Thank you. Just to answer Vice President Caviello's 
question because Lieutenant Rudolph did answer the most recent interview, which is in process. But I just wanted to also make you aware of um, both six six to eight weeks ago approximately, I did do final interviews for two can strong candidates, both of whom were very well trained, had a, a great deal of experience, both probably capable of being supervisors. We did offer the job of dispatcher to both of those candidates and they both um, turned them down due to the, the salary. Um, one of those candidates um, was very well versed on the police side only and one was well versed on police and had extremely an extreme amount of um, experience on the fire side. So that is a potential for this job. So I just wanted to be extremely clear. He was, we did have two strong candidates about six to eight weeks ago, but we did lose them both. Thank you. Councilor Scarpelli. So thank you, Mr. President. So to revert back to the first um, first comment we made and and when it uh, just just to be clear, this is why we asked for this meeting. Um, no matter how it went out, the letter went out to the mayor, what it, the word got out to the community that there was a safety crisis with 911, whether it's with hiring, whether it's with policy, whichever it is, they, we needed to get answers, and that's it. And from what I've heard from the chief of police, from what I heard from the chief of fire, from what I heard from the, the, the union representation so far, from, is, is to me exactly what we needed to share to our constituents that brought these questions and these concerns to us. No other reason. That's it. I'm not trying to dig anything up or trying to find something that's not there or say that it's not safe. It's refreshing that Lieutenant Rudolph, frightening but refreshing that he said that we don't have anybody qualified to run that office right now. And that's probably the most important public safety position right now. That's the first that's the first line of safety and, and help for all our constituents, whether it's with violence or whether it's with health. This is, this is the reason why having the communication, having the chief of police and the chief of fire here to answer these questions publicly to us is why it's so important that we did this. No other reason. And I thank them for coming out and doing that. And understand, this won't be the last time, Mr. President, that this counselor will contact or, or put a resolution through if I feel that we need some answers by our leaders in our community. So thank you very much, and I appreciate the answers that were given, and I think that we have a strong understanding of what now this, this con these concerns are and where we're moving to. So thank you. Thank you, Councilor Scarpelli. Councilor Marks. Uh, thank, thank you, Mr. President. Um, I, I just want to be able to understand, uh, Mr. President, when, when uh, this issue of uh, civilian 911 was being discussed, um, and at the time uh, when they decided to move forward, I, I'd like to be privy to uh, what the discussions were around uh, hiring a civilian uh, 911 supervisor at that time, a year and a half ago, if any. Uh, because I, I think it's important, Mr. President, there's not one member behind this reel that I've heard once say we don't need the position. 
There's not one person for the last three weeks, I've never heard one person say, this is not needed, Mr. President. We have been asking questions on why it's an emergency right now, absolutely, and I'll continue to ask them, like Councilor Scarpelli and uh, Councilor Caviello have mentioned. Uh, but I'd like to know, Mr. President, a year and a half ago, when the powers to be sat down and started discussing how this 911 center was going to work, what were the discussions around hiring someone from the start that had that supervisory skill to oversee this department, Mr. President, and to make sure that the proper unified training manuals were set up, Mr. President, to make sure the rules and procedures and policies were set up to set up our workers for success, Mr. President, and not failure. People leave for a lot of different reasons. Some may be uh, location, but others may leave, Mr. President, for other reasons, such as lack of supervision um, and lack of a, a clear, defined training manual and other reasons, Mr. President, as well. They may not state it, Mr. President, but they leave for a host of reasons. But I'd like to know why, from the inception, that we did not hire don't forget, we just went through the budget this June, 2020. If this has been discussed for the last year and a half, why was it in the June 2020 budget, Mr. President? Why are we looking at a supplemental after the fact? So I'd like to know why this wasn't discussed. And if it was, I'd like to know why and why it didn't get into uh, uh, the planning of this 911 center. As Councilor Scarpelli mentioned, to me, that's critical to have someone that oversees and has the experience in both police and fire and able to put this together and create the policies and manuals and the hiring and the training. That's 101, Mr. President, of creating a dispatch center. So I'd like to know why that didn't happen originally. Thank you, Council Marks. Uh, would anybody like to comment on that? I can comment on that. I, I, I wasn't around a year and a half ago. I, I know that the only one present probably, because I know it was Chief Sacco and Mayor Burke at the time, and I know Chief Coberti can probably comment, but I just want to reiterate that we did have police and then we had fire in dispatch up until February, March, right, right around when COVID hit. And at that time, the issues of the training manual what were being worked on. So I know it, it, it did take time and we got to this point, we had almost a semi-emergency meeting on this in October and then a second one in November, which is leading us to where we are today, requesting a 911 supervisor, which we did in the supplemental budget, but I understand your reasonings for um, not approving the supplemental budget, which is why I sent the email to the council letting you know uh, my concern for the, for the 911 dispatch department and how we are, I want, I'm glad I'm here tonight with um, representation from the department heads to explain why we're here, how we're, how we're planning to fix it, and why we think this is so essential. So I'll leave it to Chief Gilberti to see about what happened a year and a half to two years ago, because that wasn't before my time. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you. Um, since the beginning, the union has, my union has always uh, look to have a supervisor from the fire side uh, in the dispatch center. And that's what I was advocating for with the prior administration to have a, at least at the rank of lieutenant, uh, in, into 
the dispatch center to oversee just the fire side. Uh, the police at the time had their uh, commanding officer was in the uh, dispatch center and uh, we felt that uh, we needed representation on the fire side. Uh, that never came to fruition. Uh, when Mayor Lungo Kern took over, uh, we approached that subject again and we worked on, now we're here at a, uh, a civilian dispatcher who's qualified in uh, uh, both disciplines and will be able to uh, uh, oversee the, the uh, center. So that's where it was back a year and a half ago. I was advocating always for a uh, fire dispatch uh, supervisor only. So, so Mr. President, just, just so I, don't, I understand, and I appreciate Chief Gilberti's uh, uh, response. So if, if the chief was advocating for a fire supervisor, and I'm sure the police were adding, uh, advocating for a police supervisor, we ended up, instead of having both, Mr. President, no supervisor, no trained supervisor at all for the past year and a half. And this is no reflection on Lieutenant Rudolph, because he stated himself that this is not really his, his expertise. And he can't really train, he can't really oversee, because he's not aware of what's taking place uh, in the dispatch uh, to really uh, supervise it, Mr. President. And I don't want to put words in his mouth. But I, I just don't understand how you may be advocating for something, but it resulted in no supervision at all for the past year and a half. And, and I should say no trained supervision, no expertise in uh, 911 for the last year and a half. And that's the shortcoming, Mr. President, that I have a concern with. And we've had uh, the last 11 months to do something, and finally we're getting a paper, in my opinion, if this was such an emergency, I would have sent it out as its own paper, Mr. President, having a reverse uh, 911 supervisor as its own paper, not mixed in with nine other items, like an interpreter and other things, Mr. President, in there. So that, that would be how I would have handled it. But again, I'm not the uh, chief executive officer of this city, Mr. President, and that's how they chose to handle it. Because maybe if it was submitted in that fashion, this would have been handled three weeks ago, Mr. President. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still not happy with the answers regarding the lack of supervision, the lack of a trained uh, personnel uh, to oversee this department, Mr. President. And, you know, uh, we, we don't know what this has resulted in, uh, the lack of manuals, policies, and procedures over the last year and a half. We don't know potential lawsuits or anything else that may be brewing in this community, Mr. President, over this 911. And I guess uh, that'll speak for itself. Uh, Mr. President, at some point. Thank you, Council Marks. We have a number of councils that have questions, but we also have not heard from uh, Harold McGilvery from the Police Department Union. Uh, do, uh, does Council okay if we hear from him and then we move forward with the questions? Just because he was supposed to follow Mr. Buckley, but when Mr. Buckley went, or uh, uh, Eddie Buckley went, then the Chiefs weighed back on, on they responded to his concerns. So let's hear from uh, uh, Harold McGilvery from the uh, Medford Police Department uh, Union President. Mr. McGilvery. Thank you, President Falcon. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Thank you. Okay, Harry McGilvery, 100 Main Street. I'm the president of the Medford Police Patrolman's Association. I uh, just want to get off topic real quick um, before I get going. I just want to acknowledge the fact that the new police station opened last week. 
and um, it, it's it's pretty impressive building. And uh, I want to acknowledge uh, former Mayor Burke for uh, getting that done. Current Mayor Longo Kern, Councilors Carviello, Max Della Russo, Scott Pelli, Knight, Falco. Uh, it was a really long time coming, and it's now come to fruition. And uh, it's an impressive building, and uh, the, the, the membership of the Patrolmen's Union and the Supervisors' Union, I don't think we realized the, the conditions we were working under until we got into that new building. Uh, it's, it's really something to be in a new building with, with uh, 21st century technology and uh, some, some real nice uh, comforts of, of working in a, a clean uh, office space. And uh, like I said, when we broke ground, they, 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 you know, our, our, our brothers on the red side are still working in the same building, and I hope that the city does uh, move quickly to, to, to rectify that, that situation. So now I'll get on to the 911 um, situation. Uh, just to create a timeline, I was approached by a few of the 911 dishes, uh, and they, would, they asked if they could become members of our association. I spoke with them at, a, at the DPW building when they were down there, and I gave them an explanation of what uh, being members of the union would, 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 would entail. I recommended that they also reach out to uh, Steve South of the Teamsters, Eddie Buckley of 1032, and then and then make a decision. They they contacted me a, a week or so later, said they wanted to, you know, really go forward and, and, and join our union, and we went, you know, we, we contacted our law office and we we put the process in place. They signed union cards and they became members of our union. Um, from the, from the moment they became members of the union, we've been representing them. I have met on a regular basis with Chief Buckley and with Chief Gilberti. I've met with uh, Chief Buckley one-on-one. -on -one. I've met with Chief Buckley and Chief Gilberti together on the in the old police station. And uh, I, I am the representative. Um, I am the bargaining agent for, for those folks. And I want to say that I never had any impression that there was ever a public safety emergency. Uh, it was brought to my attention by one of the dispatchers when he saw, a, um, he saw a, an agenda item on the council. I reached out to several counselors, and, and it was the first time I was hearing all of that. Uh, I want to say right now that these individuals that are working here as public safety dispatchers, they're, they're, they're working hard to do a good job. They're getting better every day. They, they want to do a good job. And uh, I, I, we're not reinventing the wheel here. Uh, civilian dispatching takes place uh, pretty much around the country, around the Commonwealth. We're probably getting into this late. I can't speak for the fire union, but we negotiated those jobs away. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm taken back by some of the things I've heard here tonight. I'm surprised we're not in an executive session. I'd probably be more comfortable in an executive session. Um, I can clearly state for a fact 
that the three dispatches that left did not leave because of a lack of supervision. There were other reasons, and I'm not going to get into the reasons, because this isn't the time or place to be doing this. The mayor set up several meetings at City Hall. They brought in an individual who is a professional civilian dispatcher, and we had a plan in place as to how to proceed. And now here we are. I'd be happy to go into an executive session and speak as to what's been going on behind the scenes, but I'm not going to do it here. I've never seen anything like this, actually, in my 15 years as a union president, that my membership is being talked about like this. It's disheartening. And I'm not very happy right now. They're working without a contract, growing pains. We, both police and fire side, have to adjust to not having police officers and firefighters dispatching us. And it's just disheartening as to some of the things that I heard here tonight. If anybody has any questions, I'd be happy to answer any questions. But like I said, I think this is something that should have been done in executive session. Thank you, Harold. We have Councilor Beers and Vice President Carviello. Councilor Beers. Thank you, Mr. President. I think what Councilor Mark said and what Mayor Lungo-Kern previously said actually gets to the heart of the issue around this paper. I don't think there's any disagreement with hiring a 911 supervisor or whatever else is needed to make sure that this office has everything it needs to function effectively. But that's not the decision that this council has. We can't just hire, approve the 911 supervisor. It's been lumped into a large package, and that package has been tabled. So I'd like to ask the mayor, if the mayor is still here, do you intend to put a standalone 911 supervisor item before the council, or will a revised appropriation be put before the council to address the issues that we've laid out? Thank you, Councilor Pierce. Mayor Lungo-Kern. Yes, we went and looked at the police budget in depth to see if there was availability to be able to hire the 911 supervisor outside of the supplemental budget. And given the fact that there are four vacant positions, we feel that we're able to fund that going forward until fiscal year 22. So that is what we've decided to do to try to resolve the issues and make sure this is the strongest department it can be. Dave, I don't know if you have any clarifications on any legalities that need to happen with regard to that, but I think it's as simple as that. Point of information, Mr. President? Point of information, Council Knight. I think, and I don't want to speak for my colleague, but I think what he was asking was if the paper for $740,000 was amended or the police supervisor position was sliced out, I don't think you'd get much pushback from this council. I think we all understand that there's a need for that. The question is whether or not we want to support a supplemental budget for $740K. And there are some items in there that some of us have concern over and some items in there that some of us, some items that aren't in there that some of us have concern over. But I think all of us behind this rail would be supportive of standalone paper to amend the supplemental budget so that we didn't have to go through the process of using the existing funds in the police budget so that we can use those funds to hire the dispatches that we so need. You know, we want to hire this 
police supervisor, this um, police dispatch supervisor, a dispatch center supervisor, so that they can perform in-house training. You know, if we can't get the training done at the state level, we need to get it done somewhere. I mean, they need to keep their continuing ed certifications up. Um, we've heard from Lieutenant Rudolph saying that you know there's really no one that's in either department that's qualified to perform the functions of training. Um, so. Uh, I, and I'm just trying to clarify, Zach, I think that's what you were getting at, right? Was that if you give us a paper um, that's for the, you know, whatever it is, $100,000 or whatever that line item was, I, I don't think the council will stand in the way of that. Um, that still leaves the argument relative to the other items that the council's been discussing and the other items that are on that paper. Um, however, you know, I think it'll address the issue of the 911 call center supervisor uh, in relatively short order. Thank you for your point of information, Council Knight. Councilor Pierce, did you have? Yeah, um, well, Councilor Knight's right. I mean, that's one way out of this is one option, and I would think we'd all be happy to vote for approving a standalone paper. I think the other option would be to have a revised paper that reflects the request of this council um, so that we're not throwing out anything else that's in the appropriation that we might want to approve as well. Um, so uh, it sounds to me like the answer to my question is no. There isn't an intent to put a standalone paper. We're going to use existing funds. Um, does the administration have any intent to a revised supplemental appropriation before this council, before the end of the year? The supplemental budget has to be approved by tonight because you're, you have a tax classification hearing um, next week on December 8th. So for a lack of time, we won't be able to put on a separate paper. I'm hopeful that maybe tonight you will take it off the table and discuss the supplemental budget as a whole. I feel that those are the needs of the community right now. And I hear you loud and clear that there's an election supervisor position that we are currently um, working on reviewing. And I have meetings set up as early as next week to continue that review in hopes to make sure we do the best we can for our elections department and city clerk. So if we don't approve that tonight, what's gonna happen? Um is the intent just that we will no longer appropriate any of the funds that have been proposed in the supplemental budget? Since tonight is the last night to approve the supplemental budget, yes, the paper will die and the funds will be reverted to free cash after the fiscal year 21 is over. All right, thank you, Mr. President. Thank you, Council Beers. We have Vice President Caviello and then Council Knight. Vice President Caviello. Thank you, Mr. President. And, um, I think Council Marx brought out a point uh, earlier in his discussion, um, and this is no reflection on, on this current merit, but why in the beginning when this department was started, uh, why didn't the two chiefs insist on a supervisor? I mean, how do you, how do you start a, a department with, uh, with, with no supervision? That, that's really, I think that's really the biggest question. This should, have been, uh, this should have been dealt with 15 months ago, right from day one, not not, uh, not, not at this time when, it, when, uh, when the horses are out of the barn. Uh, you know, as like I said, uh, in, in business, in the, if, you, if you're in a business and you start a department up with nobody to run the department, how do you, how do you expect that department to, to ever be successful? We have, they, these people have no manuals, no training, no nothing. Uh, again, and again, this is no, no reflection on, on, on this mayor uh, because she wasn't there for that. Uh, but as I said, the two chiefs uh, should have got together and insisted on this way back uh, when, when, this, when this first came out, and not now, uh, at this late, the late stage in the game. Chief Gilberti. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you. Um, a couple of things I want to touch on. 
first is the um, when this whole this whole civilian dispatch uh, began, I was advocating for a fire uh, supervisor. My office uh, training division was the had oversight uh, of the 911 center for the police side when it was in our building. Years ago, there used to be a lieutenant who was part of the dispatching crew uh, in the fire dispatch center. And when he retired, that, that position was eliminated. And then they were all firefighters. And it was the supervision of that was taken over by the training division. So there was always oversight uh, on our side uh, through my training division. But when uh, uh, I was unsuccessful in getting a fire supervisor, that's when Mayor Longo Kern, uh, we began to talk about a supervisor for the entire center. So it's, it's a little bit more difficult now to have oversight now that they're in the new building. Uh, so having said that, uh, as far as the money paper goes, I just want to, and the mayor can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, I believe uh, a part of that money uh, that's on the paper before you has to do with uh, repairs to fire stations. Uh, so I would, I would uh, ask that you really consider passing that paper this evening because a large chunk of that money is going to go towards uh, some major repairs that we have in the outlying stations. That's correct, Chief. Correct, ma'am. That's correct. Um, the stations, the schools, and um, routine maintenance for our new police station and new library that's coming online over the summer. 200000 can go a long way, along with the facilities director that the council, me included when I was on the council, advocated yep. for year after year after year. I've been asking for that for two, two administrations. <laughs> Thank you, Chief Gilberti. Uh, let's see, Co Vice President Caviello, did you have any further questions? Okay, thank you. Council Knight. Um, Mr. President, thank you very much. Um, the mayor said something relative to the supplemental budget and how if it's not passed this evening, then it, uh, it dies and the money would revert to free cash um, come the next fiscal year. Um, is there anybody from the administration that can speak to the impact that this will have on our levy limit, our new growth um, for the upcoming Fiscal year? I believe we have uh, Alicia. In terms of dollars and cents, Mr. President. Yes. Alicia, would you like to take that question from Council tonight? Yeah. Good evening, Honorable Councilors. Yes. Uh, through the chair to uh, Council tonight. So, what will happen is we want to raise as much as we can towards the uh, tax levy limit. If this money isn't appropriate to amend the budget, we would have to take it from reserves, which would be free cash. Part of the tax rate recap calculation, so because it's coming from unrestricted government aid as a, as a uh, program to the budget, that's why we would need it to be passed before the tax rate is set. If you do not pass it, it just means you'd have to appropriate it from free cash. You could not appropriate it after the tax rate is set. So it wouldn't apply to the levy limit for the next fiscal year? It would not. And is any of this money applying to new growth for the next fiscal year? No, we had we had new growth already certified at the 1.77, which your honorable body uh, rescinded 703,000 back to free cash of the new growth. Okay. 
certified. And this is the unrestricted government aid from local aid that we're trying to use to increase the city budget appropriation for the positions on the paper. And the benefit of increasing the city budget is because it would allow you to have an increased levy limit next fiscal year? Your, your levy limit is based on the two and a half percent of your previous fiscal year's budget, right? Plus your new growth. This is at, this paper is just amending the budget. Whenever you're setting the tax rate, what the tax rate's actually doing is it's raising taxes to pay for the budget that was voted. So if we amend right now to add more positions to last year's budget, it has to be raised through the tax rate. Otherwise, the only other funding source is free cash. Point of information, Mr. President? For just one second, Michael, if I can. But what I'm saying is if the um, budget is amended, the levy limit is based upon the previous year's budget, correct? How much the levy limit is the 2.5%. How, how, how much money we were able to generate, how much money we spent. Yes, right? yes. So we had estimated a 10% cut, and because the governor level funded local aid, we have additional aid that we can use towards the budget. Okay, and what's the total amount? So for Chapter 70, we had estimated 11053769 We actually got 12143306 For unrestricted government aid, we had estimated 11 million. You can, just give me, you can just give me the bottom line for the increase over what we did. Oh, okay. So the increase to unrestricted government aid is 963457 Thank you very much. Council Marks, point of information. Just a point of information, Mr. President. It was stated that... Uh, you know, this paper would die tonight because uh, the tax rate, you can't vote on it after the tax rate's set. When are we setting the tax rate, Mr. President? The meeting, uh, that will, we'll have a committee the whole next Tuesday night, and I believe that will be a next Tuesday night's agenda, if I'm correct. So, so we have another week if the mayor wanted to submit a paper, a revised paper, withdraw the current $740,000 uh, supplemental amendment. Uh, amount and submit a revised paper, uh, the tax rate won't be set before next Tuesday, correct? That, that, that sounds correct to me. So we do have another week. The, the tax rate is set to be set next week. Set to be set. Right. So if we vote on the paper Tuesday night, that'll be prior to us setting the tax rate, correct? Yeah, but I have to, I, if you're going to do that, I have to put it into the recap to DOR, so it's not that simple as you just passed it. I actually have to go in and put numbers into the, the recap, so I can't do it a, a few out, you know, an hour before and then sit and sit and hit submit. It, it, it's not no. And when we give you your presentation for the uh, committee of the whole, we have to give you the numbers. The numbers will change if you voted the paper, so the package we would give you wouldn't be the correct package for the tax rate. Right. So, so if the mayor submits uh, a new paper next week, amended to approve the uh, supervisory position in 911, you know what the dollar amount is already. This council, I, I think, has stated, and I won't speak for everyone, a commitment for that paper. I, I don't see why that can't be done next week, Mr. President, and added into the paperwork that uh, Alicia is saying, because she's right, she probably needs time to do that, but uh, I, I think we're able to forecast now. We have a week to forecast that, Mr. President. I, I don't see why that can't be done. I, I, I mean, that sounds correct to me. It, it almost seems like people don't want it done, Mr. President. And, I and, and, and Alicia, if, if I if I may just kind of throw a wrench into it really quick, but 
I mean, I think there have been in years past where we've not necessarily set the tax rate on that night of the meeting. We've, I think, tabled it for a week before in the past. I mean, so does the tax rate have to be set next Tuesday night? What if it was tabled to the 15th, uh, to the, uh, was it the 15th, the next meeting after that? And yeah, Ellen's, uh, Ellen, uh, President, uh, I just noticed that DOR is behind on setting a lot of things. I, I've submitted paper, I've already submitted to them the balance sheet for free cash certification. They're behind, they said they're behind trying to set tax rates. So we're a little concerned, to be completely honest with you. Um, I'm not sure if the inundation or why they're moving behind is because of COVID. I, I can't speak to that, but I, I'm honestly a little concerned about pushing our, our tax rate out too far. Mr. President. Uh, uh, okay, um, if I may, uh, let's see, we Council Mox, Council Mox is all set. Uh, we have Council Scarpelli and then Ellen's waving a hand, so we're going to call on Ellen next. So, Council okay. Scarpelli. So, I know, I know that obviously, to make it clear, this council didn't go put this paper on to get to an unresolved. It seems like this is like, uh, like it was being held hostage. Now we're discussing the real issue, and that's not the true intent from this council. Okay, the, we had concerns about this issue. I want to make sure that stands alone. But now that we're talking about it, let's go a little bit through the timeline. We all want what's on that paper. I think it's important that we get that facilities position in. I think most of those things that we, we, we were given some, some information, the positions without any uh, job descriptions, we got the job descriptions, we understand how important they are, everything's in order. We talked to the Chief of Staff a few weeks ago. Chief of Staff Rodriguez mentioned that he would set aside $100,000. I think that one of the scenarios this council brought up is if we could look at a date certain saying like he, I believe he said 90 days and he said he would not do that so now that we have the mayor on the call and I, I believe you said that uh, the mayor said that she's already been in discussions moving that position that we're interested in moving it forward and I, and I, would, I, would, I would assume that our committee would it would support I think that's where we were going with a few weeks ago, that if it was a date certain, that we would support the paper, knowing that we're coming to a resolution for the position that's needed in the elections office. If I'm right, if I'm wrong, forgive me, but it, could, we, could we possibly look at a date certain this evening, saying that the 90 days, I believe that's what the Chief of Staff Rodriguez said, that 90 days is the process, it looks how, if I could remember it then, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't commit to that because um, he's, you know, believe that he's not the mayor and he, he wouldn't do that to the mayor. So I don't know if maybe the mayor can add some light to that. If sure. it's not, I understand that. If she doesn't, she doesn't feel comfortable, that's fine. But if we can have that, that assurance tonight, I would move this off the table and I would vote forward with, you know, because from what I gather from um, Clerk Herdebees, um, we're hoping that three months will give us enough time for our next election, unless the special elections come up after the, the Georgia uh, runoff. So um, if you can, Madam Mayor, that'd be appreciative. Sure, sure. Thank you, uh, Councilor Scarpelli. What I can do is within three or four months, give you a full report of my review and investigation and let you know what we find with regards to if there's a need for that position. And that position, three or four months would be far before yeah, okay. the next election. So that's something I can commit to. But I can't go and say I will institute an election coordinator when the clerk's office and the Board of Registrar Voters 
it is completely fully staffed and I cannot commit to that until I know that there is 100% need for it. If I could use that money for a teacher, a firefighter, a police officer, that there are need, there's need there. There are other departments in this city. We have two missing positions that need to be hired in the treasurer's office. Um, in our assessing office, we have the need for an additional assessor. Engineering office, need for additional personnel. Poor Todd Blake, need for our traffic engineer, for an, an assistant. Diversity, need for an assistant. My communications director, 18 hour days, need for an assistant. There are so many needs in this community that I have to do my due diligence as your mayor to make sure that any position I implement is necessary and is the right decision. I hear you loud and clear. I hear the clerk, we had a plan. Mr. Rodriguez, Mr. Osborne, Mr. Herdebees and myself, we sat, we discussed the primary, we discussed, discussed the issues, the successes and the, and the setbacks and how we were gonna go and address that. After the election was certified, we were gonna sit down again and I was gonna meet with additional personnel as well as the board to figure out what the need is. There's also other issues that I've spoke to many of you about over the phone that I need to make sure if it's necessary that we have the right person in that position. And I wanna do what's best for our clerk. Believe me, I do, I hear you loud and clear. But there's a lot, it's very difficult to manage many, many departments with hundreds of employees and to do the right thing and what is absolute the need of this community is my, is, it's my job and I take it very seriously. So um, with that being said, I can commit to giving you a review of my investigation within 90 to 120 days, three to four months, we can get that done. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, I would hope that it could be done faster than that, but in any case, um, just to, to Director Nunley Benjamin, um, if we do not, and this is just going off of what Councillor Knight was saying earlier, if we do not approve the supplemental appropriation, uh, it will not affect the revenues for next fiscal year. Is that correct? That is correct. What I'm saying is if you don't pass it before the tax rate, then you have to fund it through free cash. Right, and then the free cash would come in at the end of the fiscal year. Got it. I just wanted to make that clear for myself. Um, I think we're still at an impasse, to be quite frank. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you, Councilor Pierce. Any other questions from the council regarding this issue? Okay. See any of the questions out? Clerk, do you see anyone with the hand up? I just want to make sure I don't see anyone, but. Move approval, place on file. Okay, on the uh, motion of Council Scarpelli to approve the paper and place, the place on file? Yeah. Seconded by Council all night. Receiving place on file. Don't do it. That was for the police chiefs. Right, so the, for the 9-1-1, right, it's not for the paper. That's for paper 26. Yeah, so it's 9-1-1, yeah, yeah, yeah. it has it's, nothing it's, to do with the yeah, paper. The 20647. Right, 20647, nothing to do with the table paper. Yes, correct. Right. So on 20647, on the motion of Councilor Scarpelli. To approve and place on file. Right. Second by Councilor Knight. Clerk Curtis, please call the roll. Council Bears. Yes. 
Vice President Carabiello. Yes. Councilor Knight. Yes. Councilor Marks. Yes. Councilor Morrell. Yes. Councilor Scarpelli. Yes. President Falco. Yes. Seven in the affirmative. Zero in the negative. The motion passes. On the motion of Council Knight to suspend the rules, seconded by. Second. Council Scarpelli. Clerk Hurtubis, please call the roll. Council Bears. Yes. Vice President Carabiello. Yes. Council Knight. Yes. Council Marks. Yes. Council Morrell. Yes. Councilor Scarpelli. Yes. President Falco. Yes, seven in the affirmative, zero in the negative. The motion passes and the rules are suspended. Council Knight. Uh, Mr. President, we have a paper on the agenda this evening, a communication from the mayor, paper 20656. Uh, thank you, uh, thank you, Councilor Knight. Uh, communications from the mayor, 20656. November 25th, 2020, to the Honorable President and members of the Medford City Council, City Hall, Medford, Massachusetts, 02155. Dear Mr. President and City Councilors, I respectfully request and recommend that your City Council, that the City Council authorize me as Mayor on behalf of the City of Medford to enter into a tax increment financing, TIF, TIF, agreement with Monogram Gourmet Foods LLC in accordance with the Massachusetts Economic Development Incentive Program EDIP in Massachusetts General Laws, Chapter 23A, Chapter 40, Section 59, and Chapter 59. I will be present at the meeting with members of the administration, Chief Assessor Ellen Bordeaux, Jeffrey Monica from Monogram Gourmet Foods, and Maria DiStefano from the Massachusetts Office of Business Development to discuss the agreement as well as Monogram Gourmet Foods plan for their proposed operation in the city of Medford. Thank you for your kind attention to this matter. Sincerely, Brianna Longo-Kern, Mayor. Mayor Longo-Kern. Thank you very much, President Falco, and thank you, Councilor Knight, for moving suspension of the rules. Um, we have our assessor on to answer questions, Ellen Bordeaux. We have Alicia Nunley, our finance director, on as well. We have Ms. Hunt, um, Office of Community Development, is present as well as Jeff Monica and Maria DiStefano. So I wanna take you through this slideshow with the help of uh, the team. Monogram um, Gourmet Foods LLC, this is a proposed, okay, as I said, okay. Um, for the past several weeks, the administration has been in discussions with Monogram Gourmet Foods LLC located hopefully at 300 Middlesex Ave, which is the old Whole Foods Bakery site. This is the site in front of BJ's Wholesale across from um, Dunkin' Donuts on Middlesex Ave. Monogram Foods has been looking at several sites, including additional loca locations in Massachusetts, and we are one of those sites. If Monogram comes to Medford, they're going to be putting $40 million into the property, as well as providing 250 new jobs to the community with Medford residents having preference. We are, we are seeking a 10-year tax increment finance agreement with Monogram if the council approves this tonight. Mr. President? The, um, the property right now, um, you'll see on the screen, this is the location, this is the condition the property is in. Currently, it's generating about $118,000 in taxes each year. Um, with no improvements and without monogram foods, we would be estimating the taxes that we would bring in at about $150,890 by the year 2031. Um, at 
this point, I can turn it over to Mr. Monica if you have any questions with regards to the improvements, the $40 million in improvements that will be brought to this property if this agreement is approved. Or Jeff, if I you just, want to just elaborate a bit. I just bit. have one sure. quick question before you pass it off. We have a question, Council Morrell first, and then Council Knight. Council oh. Morrell? Oh. Okay. Um, yeah, I, did, I just heard if Monogram Foods comes here as opposed to is Monogram Foods coming here or is it contingent upon whether or not we give them this tax incremented financing? I mean, I'd hate to see us pass it and have them shopping around from city to city to city and then say wherever they get the best deal they're going to go when we're making a commitment to them. Is there a commitment back, you know what I mean, that this is where they want to be or is this a shopping spree? No, I believe there's, there is a commitment and I can let Mr. Monica uh, explain further. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Th thank you. My name is Jeff Modica. I'm the Vice President of Warehousing and Logistics for Monogram Foods. We're based in Memphis, Tennessee, where I currently reside um, and appreciate the opportunity to appear before the Council uh, and the Mayor this evening, and I'll be happy to answer any specific questions. Uh, the, the question appears that, you know, this uh, facility would meet our needs. The Our decision to make this our site is contingent upon uh, the TIF award. It is critical to uh, help us with our investment of approximately $40 million in the facility. It is our preferred site uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, we want to operate and open a state-of-the-art USDA bakery uh, and in combination a USDA bakery uh, is unique. There aren't many of them in um, in the United States. That allows us to do unique products with meats and proteins that aren't available in a normal FDA bakery like the Whole Foods Bakery. So um, we need this facility to support our rapid growth. We have two other plants in Wilmington, uh, Massachusetts. So we have been a, a strong employer within the state of Massachusetts. Uh, this is going to involve the complete renovation of the bakery uh, which is detailed in our application but it's a complete renovation of the walls the floors the hvac the refrigeration system uh, complete floor drain systems as well as the installation of a state-of-the-art continuous bakery oven product uh, oven uh, equipment i should say so it's all new equipment um, it's a substantial investment for Monogram Foods in the range of $40 million. We anticipate employing over 250 employees uh, after the facility is up and running with two full shifts. We have been told uh, by the city that there is an experienced pool of bakery employees with experience either with Whole Foods or other uh, previous tenants of this facility. So we are excited about that opportunity to put uh, 250 employees to work, are back to work if they were employed previously, and particularly with experience in a bakery. So that, that is a positive, and one of the reasons why this would be a primary location, as well as we have a substantial commitment within Massachusetts, and this would fit well with this, uh, with our other two plants that we currently have. So I'll pause there, Mayor, and, and, and hopefully that answered uh, Councilor's question. Thank you very much, Mr. Monica. Next slide, please. Mr. Rodriguez, did you want to explain this one? Sure, so just by way of background for those um, folks watching at home or on the Zoom that are unfamiliar with tax increment financing agreements and kind of the mechanics of how, of how they work. 
So they're, they're public-private partnerships that are used to encourage redevelopment or development in a community. The tax incentives only realize that the developer makes the investment. It's made in that there's an incremental difference in the value of the property. So as you can see on the chart here in the blue area that's marked as number one, this is the property taxes before the investment, what we call our base value. And so on the spreadsheet that you'll see in just a little bit, the base value that we see is just just under $6.5 million. That's a base tax level. That's We're always derived taxes on the taxable level for that amount. On number two in the gray shaded area, you'll see the baseline growth. That's what, what is anticipated to be the regular growth of the property over time without any improvements or increments. Inside this number four shaded area, that's the investment improvement area. So that's the area that, that the exemption would apply to. So anything that's above and beyond either the property taxes before investment or the baseline growth, that's your increment financing. So that's the that's where the exemption would apply, and that's we have some some analyses that were sent over to the council previously that kind of map out how we think that's going to go. But that's the area that would would receive the tax exemption as as agreed to in principle uh, with monogram. It's only good for the duration of the agreement. So this is this agreement is for ten years. Uh, after that ten year period, the entire value of, of the property comes online and is taxed at the regular value with no exemption. So I know Maria DiStefano from MOBD is on the call as well. Uh, she's a tremendous resource. I know that a couple of folks have spoken with her um, about the, the TIF process and the TIF, TIF structure and kind of the state role in the EDIP program. Um, so if she wants to add in any anything that I may have missed, which I'm sure is plenty, uh, as well as Ellen Perdell, uh, please feel free, Ellen and um, Maria. Thank you. 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 Thank you